All right, everyone. Welcome back or welcome to Dallas. We just keep getting better every week. It feels like, you know, practice is proven to make people better and we're, we're living proof of this. You know what? I can't say that we haven't not done extremely well every single time there's been a microphone in front of us. We're, we're batting a thousand because every time we shoot for a guest that like really is too good to be on the show, they all say yes. And this week is no exception. We we got a big shooter for this week. We did. We actually got a hard banger for this one. I'm, I'm so excited. So uh, he's got a lot of news. We'll cover it in the interview, but a lot of exciting stuff going on. But let's let's get into it. So our guest this week grew up in the beautiful town of Stratford, Ontario. He was he made Stratford famous before Justin Bieber made Stratford famous. Fact. Uh, he attended the University of Guelph. Alongside me. Overlapped by just a little bit, but we practiced together and that was a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, what else we got? He played for the Canadian B team. He did. Uh, he came to one practice with the Canadian Beach National Team. I think he got the offer, but then he went to go to, he went to FTC instead, I think, right? We'll, we'll get into that later on. Uh, and he's been overseas. He's played in France for a couple of years, and I believe now he's in the Czech. Now in the Czech Republic. Welcome to the show, Mark Wilson. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. How are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. Uh, it's yeah. good to see you. It's good to uh, it's good to hear that you're doing well. And congrats on another fantastic year overseas. Man, uh, yeah, this season was great. It was uh, it was finally a year where I felt like I got some recognition and and uh like hard work was finally starting to pay off so that was that was like it was, it was a great season. that's awesome to hear and you were alongside fellow canadian steve hunt through this whole process and and uh what yeah, was it like yeah, having I, another canadian overseas on the team with you well i've been very fortunate so in my first two years i played in france at saint nazaire and in my first year there i played with uh, ray zito and Braden mclean two canadians friend of the show and the year and then the year after that i played with uh, stephen hunt at the same club and uh it's 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 it saves your life almost i guess um just especially as you're having a canadian on your team for your first year professionally uh is yeah as a lifesaver because you don't have to adapt to the language as much you, you know you have a wingman right so it's just you have somebody to look out for your back and because you're going it's, it's such a risk and uh, you just take a leap basically jumping over to seas and you, you don't know what you what to expect in a lot of different areas of life and to have somebody to go through with that was very exciting and uh so but then this season i actually didn't have this is your third year with the club, right? That's correct. Yeah. Well, well, I so I played uh, I played with Canadians in France for two years. The first two years of my my uh, my professional career, and then I played in the Czech Republic this past season, and there was no English speakers, so no no first language. I, I had a roommate who was Brazilian, who at the beginning didn't really speak a word of English. And then um, there was an Albanian on the team who spoke all right English. And then all of them, the, the rest of them were Czech. But uh, I think the, the one thing, if I could say to that experience was, if anyone can speak enough, enough English so that they understand your jokes, you can make a friendship. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's the point where it's like, because... because even even by the end of it, my Brazilian roommate, his name is Zoyo, um, and well, 
it was it was it was a very you know awkward and quiet first month basically because you know we had to we were we were basically holding our phones in front of each other with Google Translate but then eventually we learned enough English words so that I you know we could joke with one another and, and you as did, soon as you laugh boom, there there's there's the friendship and and if you if you're getting stuck in a scenario where you can't laugh you know I just I think you just it's just it's just not the same so how's your Portuguese <laughs> my what how are you is como esta I think that's uh, also Spanish is, so I think you got uh, a couple languages there uh, thank you is genada uh, you're welcome is obrigado that's about it I think so three words I don't know what you want to say about that <laughs> so it's safe to say his English is better than your Portuguese yeah that's very yeah good. that's okay uh, we've known each other a long time. I think the first time we met was through your former teammate and friend of the show, Ray Zito, after a York University Excalibur tournament. Uh, Mark, I don't know if you know this, uh, great guy, but also big fantasy guy. The reason Mark and I first became friends was we had, uh, a fun night out in the city of Toronto, and I put on Lord of the Rings in my bed. And also a friend of the show, Pat Strazelkowski, came in and said, Hey, man, like, I don't know you, but is that Lord of the Rings? And I said, Yeah. And he goes, Can I watch it? And I go, Sure. And I think Mark poked his head in. And uh, he said, Man, is this, uh, is this Lord of the Rings? I said, Yeah. Do you want to come in? And I think the three of us hung out on a single bed and watched the whole four hours of it. And uh, we've been close ever since. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a fun night. And... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's how it. That's all how it all happened. It was. Um, <laughs> I I must admit the later on in the night too the the partying helped as well. And uh, but yeah, I, I if if there's something that a volleyball player is pretty good at, it's it's uh, it's watching television because you have so much downtime. Like I was saying earlier before, but yeah, man, um, I'm I'm big into to, to fantasy. It's it's. It's a shame Game of Thrones is over, and uh, I don't know. I'm sure you could start another podcast about the latest season, but yeah, we're too uh, we're too busy talking to sweet people like you. But uh, <laughs> so you're in your off season now. You're uh, you're getting ready to go back for another year. Um, are you going to stay in the Czech Republic? What's your plan right now in terms of contracts lined up, or, or what you're what you're looking to do for next season? Yeah, so uh, next season I'm uh, I'm playing for um, BK Carlo Vasco, which is a uh, a team in Czech Republic, and uh, so they're one of the uh, more well known teams in the league, and uh, they actually played in Champions League this this past season, and um, so I'm excited to to take part their goals and their venture because it's um, it's a team in it's a team that's aimed to win a championship which is really exciting and uh, I've I found that just um, your pro career starts usually by just getting your foot in the door and you kind of got to take what what you can get because um, nobody really it's it's difficult for the Europeans to compare the level of Canadian volleyball so they take a chance on you and so the last you know the, the beginning, let's call it these beginning years of my career, uh, you play for teams that are, you know, looking, that are building, 
for the most part. And, and, um, and so now I'm finally, this is what I was saying by like, the hard work is starting to pay off because now I'm on a team that's, that's, that's built to win a championship. So that's the big exciting thing for, for next season is that, you know, I'm, I'm aimed to win and then participate in, in, you know, European championships like cups and, and uh, who knows, maybe a champions league down the road. So that's, that's what's really exciting. About that's awesome. Now you've I've always uh, I've always spoken really highly of you in terms of your your work ethic and uh, you know really being a professional when it comes to uh, preparing yourself. Uh, we spoke to TJ uh, a little bit about how the FTC groomed him uh, into his pro career. It was a bit of a battle for you to get onto uh, onto that program. Can you uh, can you speak about that and, and your experience with uh, the national team in Canada? Yeah. Yeah, sure I can. Um, yeah, let's call it a an ongoing battle because it's uh, it's 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 been very challenging. Yes, um, I decided that I wanted to be great at at one thing in my life, and that goal was turned into being great at volleyball. And I define that as as playing on the national team and for my country. And so I had that goal. At the very, very beginning of university, and you know, to this date, I've I've tried out for that team, you know, eight summers in a row, all back to back to back to back. I was successful for two of them, and in my graduating year from the University of Guelph, I tried out for the the B team, and uh, I think with the help that they knew that I was wanting to go to FTC as well, they took me uh, to develop me and. Uh, and so that was like that was the highest moment of my career. Basically, I was I was so relieved that all my effort had come in because it was like it's brutal. It's brutal going there every summer and then just getting cut and coming back and feeling like you've you know you you haven't gained anything. But eventually, um, yeah, I, I came in and then once I got to to FTC and the national team, it was it was like I was playing a totally different game. Um, there is uh, there is a, a lot of great coaches in, in in the university leagues, and you know a lot of learned a lot of great things from um, at the University of Guelph. Um, but man, it was just uh, learning about the international level and and the amount of like physical reps you get. Just it was like it condensed. It may as well have been all all four years of my university degree or five years of my university all like crammed condensed into one because you just don't do anything other than volleyball it's like it's the moment where i turned into just like a, a pro athlete and so that was like that was a big defining moment so it was a good little development stream to, to get you ready for the the load and, and the expectations overseas yeah yeah that's 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 exactly right and um you know it's Actually, if you let me talk about the environment, like now in the last few years, because like back then I, I felt like it was kind of an obligation to to go to FTC if you wanted to play professionally, because less, you know, the European people, coaches teams just knew less about Canadian volleyball as a whole. And uh, I feel like it's changing now, and that you get, and I know Team Canada has tried to um, continually force their efforts, like onto the university league in, in terms of coaching their systems and 
and uh, and volleyball the way that they do it at the FTC or MEP, I think is what it's called now. Um, and so it's it's uh, I think it's less maybe less less of a, an ultimatum to be a pro is going to FTC. And I think clubs now are recognizing um, guys straight out of university, which is exciting. Yeah, for sure. So how did you stay attached to that goal? Because obviously that's a, a big goal you made, but like you said, you didn't make it right away, right? So how did you keep getting better? Like what would a, a typical day look like as you as a university student who said, like, I want to be a professional athlete, like I'm going to, it's one thing to make a huge goal, right? But how did you make it into like a daily commitment? Yeah, so um, I knew that, well, every time I went to one of these tryouts, usually the guys that got selected were the guys at FTC. And, uh, and that was because they were nose to the grindstone doing, you know, practice saying nine times in five days kind of thing. And so basically I just, in university, I knew I had to be practicing as much as these guys. I needed to be, you know, if, if the classic saying, if, if, if you're not doing the work, somebody else out there is. And so like you can ask, you can ask uh, Coach Cal Wixon at the University of Guelph that I was in the gym in the mornings, and I was in the gym after you know in the afternoons with the team. It was it was I did whatever I could to um, to find more time. So I I booked extra hours in, and and the other thing too is like I I knew that volleyball was my like I just committed to it so so much that even my my education, I put um, second to volleyball. Like I would budget the studying time and the assignments around my volleyball schedule. So if I only had like an hour to complete whatever it is I needed to get done, whether it's an essay or I don't know some group project, the hour would be done, and I would just accept the grade that I got in that hour. Like everything else was um, second to volleyball. Well, you graduated, so it, it was pretty good time management there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe I got lucky. Yeah. Who knows, right? <laughs> now, I mean, that's that's what we were talking about earlier. Just your work ethic, and I think um, because you're very, um, I'll say you you keep to yourself, but you keep you know your your people that know you know you well and, and know you know how funny you are and know how how hard you work. What do you like? What What do you think is is something that first year second year kids or, or 17 18 new kids need to hear from from a middle in terms of you know if you're a 17 u 18 new kid you want to make it to that university level and and then you have that those university kids that obviously want to be in your in your spot what do you think the, the best piece of advice would be um if they could ask you hey what uh, what brought you to the next level Um, so I started volleyball, like we're talking about our 17 and 18 new years. So that was like my first, my first year of club volleyball was 18 years. And I took a fifth year in high school. And then I did like one, um, it was like an overager kind of series with, with, the. um, in Ontario as well, and then I went to university. So really, I would say with I played for the university, or sorry, not the university, the Waterloo Tigers, and so 
I was really young, you know, going in and, and I felt, I, I always felt like I was catching up my whole, my whole career. I felt like, you know, I remember playing against TJ and seeing, um, um, seeing how amazing he was at the beginning when I was watching him play against, like he was playing for Forest City and, and I just felt like he'd been playing for so much longer than me. And I felt so awkward around the ball, like my small skills, just like I was good at the sport because I was kind of big, really. That was it. Like I'm six, eight. And, um, and so people saw me and, and just stuck me in the middle of the court and I was kind of good at it. And so I enjoyed it. And that's, that's how really, really how volleyball came to be, you know, a passion of mine. And, uh, so I guess for advice at the, at the, at the young ages, um, and, and the other thing too, is like at that age, I had no idea that a pro athlete was even a thing in volleyball. Like I had, I had absolutely no idea that that was a career choice. Um, so for a young athlete, I would say that, that time is a very valuable thing and that as soon as you can, uh, commit to a goal, the earlier on, the better that you, the better you'll be, um, just because you'll have more exposure, exposure to the sport. Like I, I remember making, um, the, the provincial team for the first time. And that was in my, my 18 new year. And I was with TJ and I remember going into his, uh, his dorm room when we were staying and he was watching, um, he was watching pro players and I had no idea what that was, you know, and that was, and that's just like, just goes to show how, how dedicated he is and how, how he would hit this exposure and he had this goal. I know, I know he, he knew what he wanted to do from a really young age. And I think if, if you can find that really young and commit to it, you're going to have so much more of an advantage because time is so valuable. Right. Is that an all right answer? Yeah, man, that's that's great. That uh, that's very in depth. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, so, how have you transferred this work ethic to Europe? We talked to a few other guests we had, like TJ and Eric, and. There is a lot of free time, right? Like you're kind of, you have a few requirements throughout the day, but then you kind of have to do your own thing. So are you filling this in with lifts? Or are you doing video on your own? Like, what do you, what do you do to fill your day when you're overseas? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great question. Because um, I was, I always think that that's one of the uh, advantages um, to my, to my career is that, I mean, I love what I do. I only have to really work, you know, in the gym. Um, on an average of like three hours a day because you know most pro schedules they average down to you know one hour in the morning and two hours in the evening so that leaves a lot of free time and I, I love the career because it's given me time to invest in myself and um, there are some things like um, I guess my full day would be three hours of practice one hours of stretching you know maybe half an hour of watching game tape or something like that. Maybe more than that, depending on what the game is or how close I am, how far out from the game I am, or if I'm just watching it out of interest. And then, um, and then the rest is, um, is, is, is a pastime. Like I learned how to, I've, I've done language apps. I've learned how to play guitar when I was there, uh, when I was in France. That's cool. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I guess it, 
from an advice perspective and, and just find I found I try to find ways to in, to in, uh, invest my time into myself and develop skills like another thing too that really helps as a professional athlete is is going over tape and and, and marketing yourself too being closely associated with social media and and you know if you make a big play put it out there so i learned how to to edit and photoshop and things like that because if people don't know who you are then you're never going to land a contract or or i shouldn't say never the more people you the more people you know who you are um the more likely you are to advance your career so that's 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 it it's, you know and um yeah stretching game tape for sure and then investing time in myself, whether it be from a marketing standpoint, from video in my career, or learning a new language, or playing an instrument. So it's, it's a great life. That's awesome. So TJ went into, into a little bit of depth with us about what he looks for uh, as a setter when he's watching game tape. Uh, and he got into the sort of the specifics about what goes through his mind. As a middle, it's obviously different. Um, than the setting position. What do you what are you looking for specifically um, when you're looking at game tape in terms of guys across the net from you, or, or what the setter's doing, or or even what you're doing? What uh, so for me, it's as a middle. What what particularly are you getting yourself into when uh, when you're watching game tape? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, well, I I I. I study the setter most mostly like the the first the first thing i i uh i look at and and if you're fortunate enough because we have games every week right so um on the teams on the teams that i've been been with usually we'll get the the game plan um maybe like the tuesday or wednesday before our friday or saturday match um, so one of the big things that I'm looking for are our percentages um, in each rotation. So just just flat out numbers. And so then if I have a game plan in front of me, it's easy um, to basically predict the setter's actions. Um, but it's I guess when I'm when I'm when I'm in a mindset, I'm I'm just trying to watch the game tape and play what I would do in. in a, situation on the path like starting from the past I'll, I'll even just pause it at that moment and i'll look at the net and i'll see um you know on in in the front row is there a blocker that's smaller for example is there an attacker that is less effective on the other side of the net and basically on those things i'll just develop a cue and kind of get a sense of how the setter plays the game if he's really forcing the ball to the smaller blocker on my side, then maybe on a perfect pass, I'm just going to commit to that ball. Um, you know, in certain rotations, um, like a lot of the time in the Czech Republic, um, when the setters in six or three, the middle was really common in a lot of teams uh, because they like to run the ball in the middle uh, when the when the middle's coming around the setter. And so a lot of the time I would commit on the middle on a good pass in six and three. So there's, there's um, the biggest thing that I watch for in game tape is tendencies based on the scenarios of, of my team. So if I have a small blocker, really effective, or or if I have a really good blocker on my right. side, you know, 
So it's it's just it's I analyze the game tape to understand the mindset of the setter, and sometimes sometimes it's just the setter's mindset will change based on the team, or good setter's mindset will change based on the team they play. So um, that's 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 what I watch game tape for really is 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 just to watch the setter and understand what he's doing, cool. why, why he's doing it. That's so uh, that's super insightful as well too because it's, it. Uh... It looks at a game differently, obviously, from the from the setter's perspective and from your perspective. So I know when yeah. when uh, when game tape is there, people don't really understand uh, how important it is. So it's good to hear that uh, you're very methodical when it comes to to what you're looking for and and what your plan is for each rotation. Um, yeah, absolutely. You talked about all these cool things you're doing with your free time. When I knew you, your free time was dedicated to uh, to a certain other craft. A StarCraft, even. Uh, you're quite handy with the video game controller, from what I remember. Um, That's right. <laughs> you uh, you had a YouTube channel for a little bit there. What uh, what was your highest ranking in, in the games that you were playing? And what games were you playing? My, my favorite game of all time is, uh, is Halo, for sure. Um, played on Xbox. I played it all the way growing up. And yes, that is like a major pastime um, of many volleyball players that I know. Because um, you do have a lot of time on your hands, and you are fortunate enough. But I was, I was ranked in like I played a game called Halo Reach, and in the game I was ranked. I think uh, it was top twenty. I was twenty third in North America at the time, and that was in my first year at university. And I, jeez, Dallas, you know I. <laughs> I don't know how I got the grades I did in my first year because really all I did was play video games and play volleyball. That was was nothing else. I don't recommend doing what I did, but uh, um, it, yeah, it's 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 just been a blast. And I, I find that uh, it's I I play them now. I, I I play them less. I play them less competitively or less aggressively. And uh, but I I continue to because. I find that it's an easy way to to bond and still connect with the people at home. Because the biggest the the biggest sacrifice you make as a pro player is that you um, you leave all of your friends and your family behind for like the vast majority of the year. You miss holidays, you miss birthdays, you miss parties, celebrations, everything. So really, what what keeps me coming back to playing video games is one because I you know I I, I enjoy them. And, but, but two, and, uh, I, I can stay connected to not only my friends back home, but even my friends playing in Europe as well. That's great. You talked a lot about, uh, early on about just the, the different languages and the different countries that were on your team. And obviously, uh, you just touched on it here. You're, you're away from home, you're away from family. What was the sort of the biggest culture shock that you uh, that you went through in your time both in France and uh, in the Czech Republic? Oh man, biggest biggest culture shock. God, there's there's so many of them. Um, man, well, I think I think that. <laughs> Yeah, right, we'll send, I'll, I'll talk about one that's that's the same in both countries, okay? Because I do find myself every time I come back um, to Canada, I always get frustrated on the roads driving. 
I really get frustrated driving back here in Canada because um, I I think the, the the culture of driving in in Europe is is just it's just better. It's, I think it's because um, you know um, pass pass on the left lane and drive in the right lane, basically, right? And I find that Canadians just don't do that very much, and and it was just more of a bloodstream in in Europe. And, um, whereas like I, I, whenever I was driving in Europe, I felt like when I entered in other roads, it was a bloodstream that kind of everybody shared. And here you kind of get, everybody gets in their tank and it's just, the road is mine. That's, that was like (laughs) the, the, the difference that I felt. And I kind of feel it both ways or in, in France and in the Czech Republic, but, um, yeah, so that was that's something that always kind of like hits me every time I come back. So you're yelling out the window when you're back home to for people to get off the road. Is what you're telling yeah, us. Yeah, nobody in Canada knows how to do a roundabout for 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 the. Oh well, especially so where you are now. So I mean, what's it's what's so the mo in Quebec? Nobody in Quebec can drive. <laughs> yeah, I know the only place in the world that has to put a ret on their stop sign. Is stop. <laughs> yeah, nobody knows what that means. I know, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, but it's it's and and the people too. I think I think the um, the thing that I love so much about Canada is that there's the the diversity and um, and that comes with like the food too. I found that when I was in France, French people like eating French food, like, and they're and they're quite satisfied with just eating French food. And it was the same thing in the Czech Republic. Right. They're we're happy with eating Czech food. And uh, and so there's less of uh, where it, and I ask them all the time, you know, you know, what's what's your favorite thing to eat here? And usually the response back to me is, Well, what's what's your favorite thing to eat in Canada? And, you know, for me I'm like, gosh, anything. You know, food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some some pho. They're like, what the hell is pho? And, and I'm like, whoa, you don't know what pho is? Vietnamese beef noodle soup. It's like, oh, it's not Canadian. No, no, it's not Canadian. We have everything in Canada. So like that's 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 kind of the the thing that I miss too. Coming back, it's like it's like when you when you go back to Canada, you realize, oh, I can I can get Mexican, Thai, Vietnamese. Portuguese all on one block here in right. Montreal. So, yeah, and in France, you can get French food. So all on one block. All in one block. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So you mentioned how important uh, marketing yourself was. Is that what went into your process to kind of go through a contract, or uh, just just for the young listeners out there? Like, how did you get your first one? What's the process of even getting an agent for somebody coming out of the university world? Like, how have you kept climbing the ladder here? Exactly. Uh, there's so um, I think. Well, I'll, I'll start talking about an agent, and I I think it can be uh, it can be important for you um, um, to get your to get as a, as I said before to get your foot in the door. Um, so there's, uh, but I I don't want to sell it as like a necessity. Uh, I think there's we're entering into a time now where the um, European global is the, the people of European global are understanding uh, the level of Canadian global players and and the value that they 
present as well because usually we come over as pretty hardworking people because we're going over there, you know, to work and because we're leaving everything else behind. And so I don't want to say that that an agent is is a necessary thing, but it's it can be part of the process, uh, and it can be it can it can be very it can be the difference in the beginning uh, portion of the years. But um, what helps the agent and what help and what helps yourself as well is is making a name for yourself. So it's there's there's one difficulty and that's getting over here in the first part in the first place and then the second the second most challenging part is then perform because it can be um, your 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 first year is 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 an important thing and uh, because it's it's kind of like you, know, you, you don't know who's going to be looking at you um, at certain times so you always have to be you know do whatever you can to be at your best. Like my, my experience in my first year, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was kind of nerve wracking actually, because I actually, I broken, I broke a bone in my ankle, um, at, um, when I was with the national B team and, uh, and I was really worried that it was going to ruin my, my first pro contract from St. Nazaire France. And, uh, and I came over there, and I had some time in the summer, and it, and it healed. But at that time, I didn't really know that what it was. I went back over, uh, and then in preseason, I broke it, uh, or again, or re-entered it. And then it was diagnosed as a broken bone. And uh, thankfully, I was able to, um, you know, um, well, thankfully, the club didn't send me home. I was really scared. Um, I had six weeks off. Uh, completely and this was like within the first month of my arrival there um so i was injured i had a late start to the season um and thankfully this work ethic that we were talking about that i had uh, kept me on the team for the next year and the coach the coach really liked me and then uh, second year of my pro career was again really challenging i suffered from from knee pain and knee injuries that really held me back. You know, I had I had a setter that uh, didn't really use me a whole lot. And one of my like I'd say my biggest skill is my offense. Like I can I can throw pretty good ball. And um, and and so in terms of exposure, I got my first two careers. It was like very little. And uh, you know, there was lots of people that looked at me and were just like, ah, I don't care about this guy. Or, I don't know who this guy is. And, uh, and I had to wait almost like till the end of July, I think, of last summer before I got my offer before my um, of the uh, to the Czech Republic. And and over that summer, I was just totally focused on making making sure my body was completely healthy. And uh, and I got that offer because uh, the coach from the French coast coach was uh, it was word of mouth basically from coach to coach and um and then my agent set up the rest of it and and i was on my way and then i finally had a season where i played well you know where i didn't have any injuries and that's like the, that's the biggest that's that's the next biggest piece so um and then and then this this next this last season like i had tons of clubs in the Czech republic republic interested in me and i got to choose what i wanted 
So, um, but yeah, uh, just to sum up what I said, it was there. An agent can help you get over there, but I think um, there's also now more people doing it uh, without an agent because the Europeans are looking at kids and trying to pull them out of university right away. Um, and then once you get there, you have to perform. You have to, you have to be very vigilant, keeping yourself healthy and doing whatever you can so that you're in the best position to perform. And then, but then that, and then the self-marketing thing. And then that's where that piece comes in, making highlight tapes, putting pictures online of you jumping as high as you can. Those are the things that can help with the exposure uh, in addition to whatever exposure your agent can provide for you. And just if there's more sources, there's more eyes. And when you are marketing too, you can put yourself in the best light possible, right? So it's it's why you see, you know, um, like, <laughs> um, like there's loads of pictures there. I I I was I saw this. Uh, there's there's YouTube channels that make montages of guys that jump really high. And I, I thought it was hilarious one time when I saw Ray Zito out of nowhere in Toronto <laughs> just bouncing a ball in in a nine-man lead on a low net. <laughs> All of a sudden, there was just like, you know, Wilfredo Leon and then Ray Zito was the next clip. And uh, But, you know, the video had 4 million views. There's over 400,000 views. So... Uh, it's, it's these things, these little snippets, if you can just learn to put them out there and, you know, people will see them. So it's like that, uh, it's like that X-ball Steve Hunt hit in the, the German scrimmage game exactly. that has gone exactly. viral. If you, if you can, and that's, and that's what I look for in those, you know, and, and when, I, when I'm in a game, I'll, I'll watch my game tape just for my own sake, but I'll save clips like that. You know, if I ever get something like that and just try to shoot it out to the internet to see what happens. Yeah. Because it's, it's not going to hurt anything. But I, I think that's something that uh, players really don't do enough of. And it's something I do quite a bit of. And I think if you do it enough later on in your career, once you develop the game, I don't think an agent is, you know, relatively necessary. But it just depends on how, cap how capable you are. And, and how connected you are over overseas. Well, now you're going to get a bunch of Instagram clips of uh, of you talking from us here on our end. Yeah, exactly. I'm excited to use that. Yeah, thing. exactly. Traction. Hey, you got to pump our tires too. This isn't a one way street. All right, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just want to say from uh, from my end, I, we really appreciate you you coming on, especially on on the short notice and. You know, you've uh, you've got a ton of insight of uh, of what it takes to to be a professional athlete, and and uh, you know all the meticulous things that go into uh, keeping your body healthy, keeping your mind healthy, and uh, just being you, professional. Uh, yeah, no worries, man. But you said you wanted one funny story, right? Um, yeah. So you wanted you wanted a so I'm gonna tell uh, a funny story about myself. Um, one thing that maybe. A lot of my close friends know is that uh, I never drank um, any alcohol until I was uh, um, 23. I don't think I've ever seen and, you drink. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've never. I. I never had. A, I never had a beer, a shot, anything. 
student like that in high school, all the way through university, I never had anything. And, uh, you know, why, why I didn't, it was, uh, maybe that's another story, but, um, it, the first time I'm going to tell you about the first time I had my, my beer and, uh, <laughs> I, it was going on, you know, for so long now, no, 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 I don't drink. No, thank you. No, thank you. That I needed, I needed something really significant for me to have my first beer, you know, as a celebratory kind of thing. That's the way I was going to break the streak. And, uh, and so I said to myself, like, I'm going to, uh, you know, if I make the national team, I'm going to have my first beer. And in all my graduating year, the summer of my graduating year, I made that team finally. That was my fifth attempt. And, um, and there was a, like a house party of all the guys that made it. Some of, some of the guys that didn't as well after, uh, after the camp. And ever, of course, everybody was drinking and, I hadn't, I hadn't, um, you know, I hadn't had anything and I was just quiet and I was a pretty shy person too in university as well and, uh, hadn't, hadn't really grown up yet. And, uh, and so the, 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 the room was loud, you know, it was a classic in a university party setting. And, um, and I basically just, oh, come on, Mark, you, you gotta do this. You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna have a beer. You, you made the national team. You're over the moon. You're going to do this right now. And so I just said, I said, I, I, I basically whistled to, to quiet the room down. And I just said, hey, hey, you know, um, I have something to say. And, uh, you know, I said, I've never had anything to drink before. And, uh, but I wanted to have my first beer with you guys because this was, you know, something really major in my life. And all of them looked stunned, like they didn't believe it, because I, I didn't really know any of these guys, right? And uh, and I think somebody tried to hand me, um, it was a Paps, and then it was Brayden McLean that came in and said, "No, you don't want one of those." And then he uh, he snapped off a Heineken for me, and I took and I, and it was everybody watching me. It was thirty people watching me drink this beer. And, uh, of course it foams up and then spills all over. Me. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I'm pretty sure Braden was just like, how's it taste? And I was just like, pretty shitty. And he's just like, yeah, Heineken's not that great of a beer. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's that great, was, man. And that was your first beer. That was my christening into the, into the professional volleyball world. But yeah, man. And, and to this day. Heineken is a skunky beer, and I don't really like it. Yeah, we'll tag them in this for sure. <laughs> well, now you play in a country where I think uh, you can get a Pilsner cheaper than a bottle of water, right, in the Czech? Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Because uh, the, um, yeah, the Czech Republic is wild for its drinking culture because the, the drinking tolerance is 0% uh, for driving. Um, and so there's that puts pubs in all over the communities because everybody needs to walk to them. So you can go to these local clubs, these little watering holes. And uh, I regularly would go for a night with the guys, you know, drink five to six pints, and it would be under 10 Canadian dollars. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. I know. It's, it's insane. That's they're like, nuts. They're like 30 crowns um, a beer, a pint, which is like, I don't know, a 
think it's like two dollars. That's wild. <laughs> So we're going to come visit. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> so uh, you better pull out the futon for us, and we'll, we'll be live in, in the Czech Republic. We'll visit you and your army auger while we're there, and uh, it'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Mark, we're going to let you go, but uh, once again, thank you for all your time. Oh, we, we have one more thing. Uh, oh, congratulations. You're recently engaged, I think. That heard. is true as well. Congrats. University sweetheart. That's right. Yeah. That's a... <laughs> I, yeah. Like a like a volleyball player, Darrell uh, and I. Well, we've done distance for God. We've been together for so long, and now we've been together for eight years, and we've done five years of distance. And we were now things were kind of aligning where she could come overseas with me, and I was I was so done with distance that uh, at the end of this last season, I. <laughs> I proposed to her in the Montreal baggage pickup at the airport because I was just so done. I was just and and it was it was it was wonderful. It was like a perfect moment because she was totally blindsided and it was the first thing that she saw when I came back this season. So that's awesome, buddy. And yeah, uh, be sure to say hi to her for me as well. I'm sure she'll listen to this whole thing. Let's. Sure. <laughs> hey, we'll have 401 uh, views. <laughs> Cool. All right, buddy. Um, yeah, all the best, and uh, we're looking forward to, to watch you kill it for another year. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure being here. Yeah. All right, buddy. We'll uh, we'll sign off here and uh, and take care. Absolutely. Thanks, buddy. Bye. Special thanks to Mark Wilson for coming on and giving us a great episode. Hopefully you enjoyed that one, and if you haven't already, feel free to check out our previous episodes. We had some great guests, uh, including TJ Sanders, Jesse Elser, Eric Matson, Becky Pavin, or we had an awesome episode last week with Autumn Bailey. And if you have a moment, please leave us a five-star review and a comment on iTunes or our social media. Thanks, and back to the show. Awesome. Mark Wilson, good guest. Good get, Dal. Thanks, Guy. He uh, Mark's a sweet dude, and... Uh, like he said, uh, branding yourself is one of the best things that you can do. So be sure to check out uh, Mark's content on, on Facebook and on Instagram. But before you do that, be sure to subscribe to us on Podbeam and check out our Instagram because we're way more important than Mark Wilson. And you know what, for that matter, Tom Wilson. Uh, I don't know. I got to meet him the other day. Super nice guy. Super nice guy. The best. The best. Anyways. Um... Yeah, as Dal said, I think the, the nicest thing you can do for the show is just to tell one person about the show. And they'll tell one person. And then they tell one person. And then that's four viewers. And then that's like four more than we have right now. And then Kidding. my mortgage is paid. Kidding. We, we have a lot of great <laughs> friends of the show. Thanks to Kelly Edwards and some other people who sent some messages. Uh, if, if you're not too busy, I mean, the, the mandatory thing I think is if you like the show is to tell one person. But if you have a, a minute or two... Leave a comment, give a five-star review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Yeah, if uh, if one of the hosts needs to be subbed off uh, permanently or semi-permanently, I mean, this is the avenue to uh, to make your suggestions. So if you want to see Josh and I stick around or you want to see somebody off the air, be sure to subscribe and uh, and comment on, uh, on our social media pages. That's weird that I thought it, the comments were going to do that. I thought there had to be a coup, but I guess not. I guess not. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so volleyball, right? 
Big news out of uh, out of China. Apparently, there aren't any direct flights from Brazil to China. So uh, a lot of the athletes were posting on their ridiculous travel days. 40 hours in the air for some athletes going from uh, Brazil to Africa to Europe to Hong Kong to a different part of China and then to Jingjiang. Yeah, we kind of talked about this last week. I We knew it was 40 hours, but I didn't realize like the path that they had to actually take. I think we should have somebody on here to explain it because it was pretty bad. It was pretty gnarly. But uh, some good results on the on the men's side for for the Canadians at least a top ten finish for both of our boys uh, Shakhtar Pedlow and uh, O'Gorman Saxton and uh, winners the mole Sorum connection with the double gold medal to start off the bat so coming off an injury the uh, the Norwegians go one one to start their FIVB season pretty wild there yes they're. They're looking good. BD Novandro and Bruno in the final. That was a good one. And uh, Lucena Dalhauser in, in the quarter. And you know what? They had a hard path to, to beat everyone. And I guess the, the best team won because the best team beat all the other best teams. Yeah, it was confirmed. They, they didn't have an easy draw, but they kind of made it look easy. Yeah. yeah. A few three-setters there, but they're just they're, they're the team to beat. They're very good. Quite, quite good. And uh, on the women's side... Kerry Walsh ever gonna like stop? Yeah, <laughs> she's just so timeless. Like, and the funny thing is too now is she's in the qualifier for a good segue because Mark Wilson is professional in Czech Republic for the four star in Ostrava Czech Republic. Kerry Walsh, fresh off of her four star victory, is now in a four star qualifier for the following tournament. That's that's insane, and I think. The U.S. has always had depth, but it's really obvious now. Like you said, they just won a tournament, and they're going to be in the qualifier. And you know what? I, I would never bet against Kerry, but maybe they don't make the Olympics this cycle. I don't know. There's so many good teams. Same thing on the guy side. There's just a log jam of, I think, did Reed Pretty not medal at a tournament and be in the qualifier in the next one, too? Like, yeah. there's so much depth there. So Kerry's actually in a country quota. So you go from winning a medal, a gold medal, at, uh, at one of the best tournaments of the year to having to play to even be in the tournament. Wow. I think it shows the strength of the AVP and the domestic tour and even the NCAA with more and more athletes coming out of there that the, the U.S. has so many good teams. And even if you've never heard of somebody, there's still a threat to win the tournament, it feels. I never heard of you, but you're probably really, really, really good. Make, <laughs> makes sense. Like even Triborn coming back from injury, they've, they're going to Worlds. That's insane. Booked their ticket. Good for them. See, um, we don't just have to talk about Canada. We can give props to other hey, countries Hey, you know here. what? If you're good, you'll hear about it on Passing Times. And if you're bad, you'll definitely hear about it on Passing Times. <laughs> Maybe. We're not here to embarrass anybody. You know, we just, we like a good story. We like a good, we like a good fact. We like a good stat. But uh, we like a good yoke. Speaking of good stories, the Norseka Tour seems to be a good place to get them. And Canada's about to have their second trial of the year, which means we'll have a whole fall of tournaments to get stories from from people. So we're, we're not sure who's home on the women's side. It feels like everybody's away. So that one might be wide open for a young Canadian team to get the spot and get some experience because uh, let's just go down the list. Well, Heather and Brandy and Sarah Melissa are not interested. They don't need to go to Narcicus. No. Too many points. But Taylor and Sophie are overseas. They've already left. Yeah. Uh, Julie and Shanice are in the main draw in China with MC and Amanda, which means Taylor and Sophie must be playing Czech. That's where they are. They are in Austria, actually, at a one star. I thought that was after Czech. Anyways, they're definitely in Baden, but I thought that was after. I don't know. 
If only somebody had the internet, we could check that. They're not in Ashbridge's Bay, Ontario. Uh, And Anna Dunswan will not be playing because she is going to be in Nova Scotia accepting an award. We'll have to follow up with her, but uh, she'll be going back home to accept that award and obviously see some family and friends and supporters there, so that's good. So that kind of goes through the Canadian program. Megan and Nicole are not playing in this event, so um, wide open. Somebody's going to get to go to their first Narsika and report back a great story about how... I don't even know. I don't want to predict, but anything could happen. Anything can happen. The stories are wide open when it comes to the Norseka Continental Beach Volleyball Tour. On the guys' side, uh, Jake and Will were at the beach today. Uh, Sergey and Cam were, but I don't know if they're going to play Norseka Trials or not. Liam and Gabe. Um, Maybe. So, yeah, on the guys' side, there could be some young the guys getting The guys wide it. open. I mean, the team of Pass and Dimes could be going to uh, their first Norseka Tour together. The team of Nickel Keith. Ooh, that would be, that'd be good. The American writer plays, eh? Travis Mayweather, the other host of Sandcast, who was with Triborn. We'll have to have him on. He, you know, you admire those people who really, you know, want to get in, in between the sidelines, really see what this is all about and not just stand on the side. I can't wait for Stephen A. Smith to suit up for the Toronto Raptors this week uh, against Golden State in the NBA Finals. You know, it's very topical, Dal. Uh, who, who you got and how many games? I have the Toronto Raptors, you heard it here first, in... Six. I'm going to go Golden State in five. Um, Who's winning game one? Toronto. I think we'll win one at home, either the game one or game two, and then Golden State will, will settle in. I think they've been off for a long, long time. I think it's hard to get back into where, yeah, Toronto gets some off days, but they're also kind of riding the wave right now. No, I got them. The boys are the boys are going to turn the city into a zoo. It's going to be mayhem, and it's going to be fantastic. So just so people know, this will, this episode comes out on Friday, but we're recording on Monday, so Dallas isn't just picking you know after the game or anything. No. So we... it, uh, it's 8.30 Monday night, so for all you people that go, oh, Dal, you knew firsthand. No, I knew because I'm a magician. The score is going to be 112-109 for the Toronto Raptors in overtime. You think they're going to hold Golden State to 109 in an overtime game? You heard it here first. I can't wait to play this back. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'll be, that'll be good. I think Toronto exploded uh, after game six. And the the cool thing, I don't know if this is really confirmed, but I, I read it. I assume it's actual news. No crimes. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty wild considering I saw a bunch of people jumping on street lights and buses and, and street cars. But hey, you know what? It uh, it speaks volumes to the, the Toronto police and, uh, and to the fans. So good on you, everyone. So good, good. If anyone wants to send us to the game, we'll accept tickets. But other than that, I don't think I'll be attending. But, uh, you know, maybe I, this will push down the ticket prices of TFC or the Jays and we can go watch that. That would be cool, too. I will take any tickets anywhere, anytime. The Book of Mormon, a musical, is actually coming to the Ed Mervish Theater in Toronto. I will accept tickets to that, too. It's hilarious. I do highly recommend uh, so that's another week of passing dimes. Uh, I think we found out our mutual admiration for the dramatic arts, our mutual admiration for Toronto sports teams, and uh, you know what? Best of luck to all the teams in Norseka Trials this weekend and the Czech Republic as well. Yeah, big things coming. Uh, we talk about beach every episode, but it feels like beach season's officially started now that all these four stars are coming. So more to come. And like we said, leave a comment, leave a review. Even comment about guests you want to want to see because right now it's just been a a, a wish list of, of jo- uh, Josh and Dallas saying who do you want to talk to and then we send out a feeler. But if anybody wants to recommend a guest, we're open to it. Yeah, I can hear that. Yeah. All right, signing off. Passing times. Thanks for listening, everybody.
Stay excellent. Bye, Dal. Hi, Mom. Bye, Josh. Hi, Josh's mom.